Amen. I want you to get your Bible. There's a word that is burning in my spirit today. I want to deliver this to you. We've been taking some time over the last several weeks to look to the end, the end times. We've been trying to dig out some of the prophecies that have been given in the Word of God to see what the Bible says about the end times. And I want to continue with this thinking and, and this thought until the Lord just moves us on. Is that all right with everybody? We're going to just keep on digging into the Word of God. I, I'm astounded at how much the Word of God has to say about the end. There's far more than I realized, and I'll share that with you in a moment. Hebrews chapter 10, quickly get your Bible and go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. I don't know if I'll actually play in the softball or not, but I know that the 31 and above are going are gonna to stomp on those, on those little babes. I'm glad you got that diaper. We need some pacifiers probably too. You know what? Because there's going to be a lot, some bibs, right. There's going to be a lot of crying and whining. I just know that. So anyway, you know what? If you can't play softball like me, you know, let's come out and enjoy and just have a good time, really. This is going to be a great, great way to end our summer and thrust us into our school year and into the fall. Come out and enjoy a great concert. Jaron Davis is a good friend of this church, and uh, he and his family are going to come and bless us, and they're going to be with us in the morning, and it's just going to be great. Uh, the picnic, great time of fellowship. And if you're not a member of this church or even a regular attender, you're just checking us out. I can't think of a better way to check us out than around a table and watching us eat some fried chicken. You'll find out who we are real fast. So, um, yeah, come, come be a part of this. Uh, sign up, though. We need you to sign up and bring your best dish, either dessert or appetizer. What is it, CB? What's going on? What do you want them to bring? Salad or a side dish? Your own drinks. Need to bring chairs, right? Everybody brings chairs. So, um, yeah, we'll give direction once we get over there, but we're changing things up a little bit, but it's going to be great. Bring out some friends. Uh, it's a really great opportunity for you to invite somebody that wouldn't normally come into the church building, but they'll come into a park, and they will listen to a concert, So, uh, and they might get saved. Wouldn't that be great? Hebrews chapter 10, let me read a, a handful of verses here, starting with verse number 32. But recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise, and listen to the promise in verse number 37, for yet a little while. Somebody say a little while. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Father, we thank you for your word. We're believing that today as we hear it and as we apply it, we will be changed again. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Come on, agree with me by saying amen. 
this portion of Scripture, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 through 37, are an encouragement from the writer. He's encouraging those in the faith who are suffering. I believe that there are those in this room that will absolutely latch on to this today. If you're suffering, listen to what the word of the Lord says. The writer here is encouraging the church, the Hebrew church, those that had been persecuted. Look at verse number 32 again. Recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, after you came to a saving knowledge of Christ, in other words, you endured a great struggle with suffering. Endurement is a key here, folks. Sometimes we just have to endure being persecuted. Sometimes we just have to endure the sufferings. Let's read on in verse number 33 again. They were reproached, they were afflicted, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations. Ever felt like that? Verse number 34, let's read on. They had lost their earthly possessions. They had compassion on me and my chains, he says, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. They were tempted to give up, verse 35 tells us, verses 35 and 36. Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. You have need of endurance. Here he says it again, endure. There's no prize for running in the race if you quit halfway or at any point in the race. The prize is for those who run the race with endurance, and they finish. How many are planning on running in the race until the end? Let me see your hand today as a testimony. You'll say, Pastor, I'm planning on running in the race to the very end. I don't care if I'm the first or the second or the third. I don't care about getting a ribbon. I don't care about getting a prize. I don't care about having my name called. I'm running in this race, and I'm going to run it to the end. Let me see your hand one more time. Come on, we're in the race here, church. We're in the race, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are to run the race with endurance to the very end. There is great reward, it says here in the Bible, for those who, though tempted to give up, endure. There's good news. Someone's coming. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what we just prayed about. I didn't ask. That's God's business. Some of it is so private and so, so painful. You don't want to share it with anybody. God knows. I just want to bring you some good news today. Somebody's coming. Someone's coming. Someone's coming that will completely stop the pain. Someone is coming who will completely sever the lack. There'll never be lack again when this one comes. Cynthia, there's not going to be any more cancer. Hallelujah. There'll be no need for chemotherapy. There'll be no need for radiation treatments. Someone's coming. There'll be no foreclosures, no bankruptcy. Someone's coming. There are three questions that I, that I found in this passage of Scripture that I want to ask and then answer. First of all, who is this one who will come? 
If you're taking notes, jot this down. Number one, who is this one who will come? This is one of those, at least for the believer, one of those duh statements, right? Pretty obvious, right? But let's not, let's not gloss over this so quickly. Even though we know the answer, let's look at this very, very carefully. Who is this one who will come? Look at verse number 37 again. This is the promise. This is the, this is the, the quoting of the scripture of the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming. Who is this one that is coming? His name is Jesus. It's the virgin born son of God. Born of the Virgin Mary in the town of Bethlehem. Jesus is coming. The one who lived a life without sin, even though he was tempted just like we are. Jesus is coming. The one who died on Calvary's cross in your place, in my place. Jesus is coming. The one who was buried in a borrowed grave and laid there for three days. Jesus is coming. The one who rolled the stone away and rose triumphant over the, over the grave, over death, over hell. Jesus is coming. And he knows all about being persecuted. He knows all about our affliction. You know, this is the most important news that I could share with you. Jesus is coming. Folks, we need to start telling this to our co-workers and to our family and to our neighbors. The most important event of our lives, Jesus is coming. Will we be ready for his coming? This is so important. I, I, I want to give you some statistics here that I found on this topic. Out One out of 30 scriptures teaches the second coming of Christ take your bible in your hand again and just look look at this look how thick that is one out of every 30 scriptures is talking about the second coming of Christ how many think that's important news for us today it's mentioned 8 times more than his first coming when he was born of a virgin, it was prophesied. The Bible talks about this. It's talked about in the Old Testament. It's talked about in the New Testament. But eight times more, the second coming of Christ is mentioned. How many think this is important news for us today? I'll ask it again. Out of 216 chapters, there are 318 references to the second coming of Christ. Again, how many think this is important news for us today? It's so important entire chapters in the Bible have been given to this topic. It's so important entire books of the Bible are given to this topic. Someone is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus himself prophesied this. Jesus himself proclaimed this. 
angels verified this. The apostles also gave testimony. Jesus is coming. Who is this one who is coming? It's Jesus. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is coming. Which leads me to my second question. Why has he not come yet? Why has he not come yet? Again, our, our scripture here, for yet a little while, in verse 37, he who is coming will come and will not tarry. My mother taught me this, that Jesus is coming. Her mother, my grandmother, also believed this and taught this. And her mother, my great-great-grandmother, believed and taught this. And I suppose if I researched this far back enough, I'd find many, many, many in my generation who believed this, but yet died without this promise actually happening in their lifetime. Now, for some, it will cause them to then doubt. Yeah, I've heard it before. My grandmother believed that. My great-grandmother believed that. And they, they think it's then, because it hasn't happened yet, maybe just a myth, maybe just a fairy tale, maybe just a story in a book. I believe this is not any ordinary book. I believe it is authored, inspired by God Himself. And I believe that every word in it is powerful and has the potential to change our lives. I believe every word in it is truthful. And I believe it. How many are with me on that matter right there? I believe it. Many are going to be doubting in the last days just because he has delayed his return does not mean that it is not so. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3 says, Knowing this, scoffers will come in the last days and walk according to their own lust. No wonder they're scoffing. They want to walk in their own lust. So they try to shed doubt and create uh, confusion even on what we know to be truth. And after a while, for some, it begins to erode away the truthfulness of it. And they begin to question and say, hmm, I wonder then if they have a legitimate point over here. You've probably seen this. People who were grounded in the Word of God but after time, they pulled away. They did not endure. They did not run the race to the end. They listened to the scoffers. They partly wanted to fulfill their own fleshly lust and their own worldly desires. But they got out of the race. There's going to be many who will scoff in the last days. But church, it's important for us to endure to the end knowing that Jesus is coming. And I found some biblical reasons as to why he may not have returned yet. There are three. I want you to jot these down. These are Bible reasons why Christ has not come yet. Number one, and I found this out of Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. God's appointed hour has not arrived. But of that day and of that hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, only my Father. Could it be that 
Christ has not returned because it's not time yet. It's just simply not the appointed hour yet. I believe so. Here's another Bible reason that I found why Christ has not returned. Number two here, the church has not been completed. In Acts chapter 15, verses 14, 15, and 16, listen to these words. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take them uh, to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, After this I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up. In other words, folks, this is talking about the building of the church. It could be that the rebuilding process has not been completed, and so God delays the second coming of His Son, Christ. The third Bible reason that, I've, that I found, it's because God's long-suffering has not been exhausted. 2 Peter 3.8 Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Aren't you thankful today that the Lord is long-suffering? He's patient. What if he had summoned the trumpeter to blow the horn? What if he had summoned his son and said, today is the day? What if that happened the day before you accepted Christ? Do you remember the day? I could take you to the very piece of property in Terre Haute, Indiana, on November the 14th, 1982. It is as clear to me today as it was on that day. I found Christ. I accepted the gift of God's Son on that day. My life was radically changed. But what if the trumpet had sounded on November the 13th, 1982? I would have missed it. Whatever your date is, if you remember it, what if? But because the Lord is patient and long-suffering and does not want anyone to perish, including you, He delays that second coming of Christ. I'm thankful today for His long-suffering one more question as I close this. When will he come? When will Christ return? It would be foolish for me to say to you a, a date, a, a, a month, a day, a year, and I, I will not do that. 
mostly because I don't know. I don't know when he's going to come. But look what it says in our text again. Verse number 37. Would you bring that scripture up one more time for me? Yet a little while. That jumped out at me so much. I, I entitled the whole message today, A Little While. You need to remember, he's promised to come. And it's just going to be a little while. Again, this scripture in 2 Peter chapter 3 Remember this, that a day with God is like a thousand years to us. And a thousand years to us is just like one day to God. All I know is he's coming soon. In a little while. Nobody knows the, the day or the time. Matthew 24, 36, but of that day and that hour, no one knows, only my Father. On that day, false prophets are going to be proven to be frauds. Let me say it like this. Pastor Moses, I want you to come. When Jesus returns, it will be right on time. It'll be right on time. It will be perfectly timed. But for now, church, he has not returned. So what does that say for us? What does that say for you? Is that just a, boy, I'm glad. I can do some more that I want to do, and then I can slip in and get right. A deathbed conversion. You ever hear anybody talk about a deathbed conversion? I'll ask him into my life when I'm on my deathbed. Well, you may or may not have that opportunity, truth be told. But he's coming like a thief in the night. He's coming when we will be unaware and will be unexpected. He's going to just drop in. Are you ready? Is your heart ready? Is your home ready? Is your life ready? I want you to bow your heads and ponder this this morning. Should he return today? Should he return this week? Should he return before we enter another calendar year? Are you ready? The Bible talks about he's coming for a bride without spot or wrinkle. He's coming for a sinless church. Is there anything that would prevent you from being caught up and raptured? If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I'm not quite sure I'm ready, but I want to make sure today, would you pray for me? If that's you, slip your hand up right now. Let me pray for you. We're going to get you ready for heaven. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. You say, you know, I'm not sure, but I want to make sure. I want to be ready so that at any time. Anyone else? Come on, slip up your hand and just say, Pastor, pray for me. Father, I pray now for this congregation, each and every one of us. 
I want you, Holy Spirit, to examine us. See in our hearts, see in our, our motive, our intent. See if there's anything, Lord, that would hinder us. And I ask for the blood of Jesus to be applied to every heart. That you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness as we confess our sin to you, knowing that you are faithful to, to forgive us of all of our sins and all of our unrighteousness. That we would be ready for heaven. We would be ready for the return of Christ, knowing it's just a little while. There's one more thing that I want you to think about as he delays his coming. Are you doing all that you can do to let others know about this monumental event? Are you sharing your faith both with your actions and with your words? It's not enough just your actions, folks. We have to open our mouths We've got to let people know. We have to share. Remember, the Bible says you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witness. I want you to look up at me. Are you doing all that you can do? Because someone's coming. Someone's coming. And he's coming soon. I'm praying for you that God would use you right where you are. You may never take a microphone in your hand and stand behind a pulpit like God has blessed me to do and called me to do. But you still can preach. It may not even be preachy. It, in fact, shouldn't be. It's just sharing God's love with people. That's preaching. That's that witness every day. And there are people all around you. You're surrounded by them weekly. God's counting on you. Remember, we're imagining what if we're the last living generation. Not just imagining. Let's believe it. Let's live like we're the last living generation that God is trusting to share this good news. How many will say, Pastor, I'll do my best. I'll do my best in these last days to be what God wants me to do and be the witness that he's calling me to be. If that's you, I want you to stand up on your feet. I'll do my best. That's all, that's all God's asking us to do. That's all I'm going to ask you to do. Just do your best. When you feel that quickening of the Holy Spirit, take a big, deep breath. Step out. Open up your mouth and say whatever comes out. God will put the words in your mouth. He really will. But do your best to be used of God because He's coming and it's just a little while. Tonight I'm going to talk to you about how we cope in the last days. How do we cope? How do we handle these last day issues? You don't want to miss this. Amen. Pastor Moses, would you dismiss us in prayer? Look for you tonight, everybody. God bless.
together forever. God, that we would know that you are coming again. God, that we would live as though you are coming again, Lord God, not as if you are not coming again and you don't exist, Father, but that we know that you are coming again. God, and that every single area of our lives, God, will revolve around this. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, God. Let it change us forever. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen.